What's going on? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. Just had a really, really fun conversation, and we're uh, hitting milestones here on the Stacking Slabs podcast. Had our first father and son duo. We had Sportfish Card Collector and Squiddy Collectibles, Jason and Griffin, on to talk about Brady, talk about Messi, talk about collecting as a father and son duo. This one was a lot of fun. I hope you follow them on IG. I saw some ridiculous cards just during this conversation, and they talk about those cards and the stories behind it. If you like Brady, if you like Messi, if you just like sports cards, you're not going to want to miss this one. Hit the follow, like, subscribe, whatever the buttons say, but most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. So we have a uh, kind of a one of a kind here chat here, which I'm really excited about. Um, father son duo. I have both first timers on the on the the podcast. So a sport fish card collector, Jason. Uh, you probably know him from uh, just ridiculous Brady posts. And part of when I, I had him wanted to have him on, I wanted to talk about uh, his collecting with his son, and so. We've got a son, Squiddy Collectibles, Griffin, too. So we got father and son duo, um, and we're just going to talk cards. We're going to talk Brady, probably talk some Messi. There's some new news on Messi, and we'll just get into it. But without further ado, gentlemen, welcome. How are you? Good. Hey, Brett, thanks for having us. Uh, I mean, longtime follower and supporter of your of your podcast and your content. I mean, it's just, uh, you know how to distill it down, and, I, I you know, you at least put it into perspective in terms of what people are looking at in the hobby and, and the, and the real things that the hobby means. So, I mean, I remember like going up to Oklahoma for like some of Griffin's uh, FC Dallas games and listening to your podcast on the way up there. It's just, it's the natural stuff. Um, you know, the, not the, the pumping or the, the filtered stuff. Like it's, so, I mean, yeah, a long time uh, follower and really appreciate what you've done for the hobby. So we appreciate you having us. Absolutely. And maybe we kick it off here. I'd love to know just, it's probably not unique. I'm sure there's plenty of other people doing it with the father and son collecting, but I have just in following you both. It's fun to see the stories. I think I remember uh, seeing you, I think when Brady was with the Bucks playing against the Cowboys, you were at the game and you're bringing cards and it's just fun. I know you both go to the national together. So maybe just like share some perspective on uh, collecting father and son duo, like the benefits I collect with my brother. We get to share those stories, the FaceTime, but you're kind of doing it under one roof. So maybe share some perspective on how that all got started and just maybe some of the benefits. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get my side and then I'll turn it over to Griffin. But um, I, I mean, I was an avid collector uh, in junior high and high school, and then hit the college years. I mean, just to show my age, I think I graduated high school in 97, um, you know, so kind of the, that junk wax era, um, kind of set it down and then went into the real world, started a family. And then Griffin was the one that actually pulled me back into it. Um, one of his teachers from high school, or I'm sorry, it was junior high at the time, uh, was a card collector. I think his history teacher and brought some packs to school. And I was just like, man, this, this brings back a lot of memories. So you know, it was, I remember this was like, you know, pre the run up. So I, I want to say like maybe, I don't know, 2018, give or take 2017, but you know, he got back into it. I remember going to target, just buying a bunch of wax. And then 
the thing is, is uh, Griffin, Griffin and my daughter were actually both born in Massachusetts and uh, Griffin's a big Brady fan. And uh, I, I, you know, the thing that I think solidified it for me is I took him to the uh, Super Bowl in Atlanta when they, when they played uh, the Rams and, and uh, the Pats won it. It was a low scoring game. <laughs> the most forgettable of them all probably. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it was just kind of one of those surreal moments. I remember like, you know, just being at a, uh, he was at a, uh, a, a soccer tournament and we flew out that Saturday. I think we had like a 7.30 p.m. flight out and then landed in um, Tennessee because we didn't want to stay in Atlanta. Got there and then drove all the way down to Atlanta, watched the game and then drove back up after the game and then flew out the next morning at, you know, 6.30, 7 a.m. But I remember right after that, it was just like, OK, this is it. Like, I'm, that's kind of what did it for me. I went and bought a. I think one of the first purchases was a, a, a box of sealed uh, 2000 contenders hobby box, just because, you know, I, I, I started to chase Brady right then. But yeah, I mean, kind of the rest is history, um, you know, feel like kind of got it back into the Brady at the right moment, um, you know, because prices were, you know, and, and look, I'm not, I don't, I'll say this, like, I, I don't, flip a lot or, or move a lot of cards, but I mean, it was just a lot cheaper back then. And, and, you know, I collected what I liked and uh, you know, prices were reasonable. Um, now you have to be kind of picky with what you're doing, but in any event, like there was, there was a, uh, you know, you didn't have the main, you know, you didn't have all the people kind of jumping in. So there was a lot of Brady cards available and uh, you know, just kind of started from there and then, you know, brought, brought Griffin in, in into things. Uh, you know, like I said, he was picking up stuff, uh, wax and started bringing him to shows and like, Right now, like when I go to shows, like we're closer to the Dallas show in Allen. So it's like 20 minutes from my house. And like sometimes he'll just go without me. Like, I mean, he knows a lot of people in the hobby, the national, like he just kind of does his own thing uh, with like Rodman, for example. They kind of run off and do their own things. I, I felt like it's created and built his personality. It's very like building the sociable skills through the hobby, a lot of negotiating. I think that's the one thing that's appealing about the hobby is like, there's no age limit. Um, and it's more about your credentials as a person. Um, and, you know, like stuff, especially the younger kids that really shines, especially when they know how to like, you know, present and, you know, negotiate and hold themselves out in front of, uh, you know, older people than themselves in the hobby. So I don't know, we're going to the, we're going to the national again this year in Chicago. I think we're going like Thursday through Saturday. Um, so I think it'll be kind of the same for Ray, but I don't know. I'll turn it over to Griffin to see if he has anything else to add. Yeah. So uh, I started ever since I was a kid, but uh, with Pokemon, I remember like just buying Pokemon all the time. Me and my friends did it. I still have my binder as a kid and all the way up through middle school, I still did it. Even when everyone was growing out of the phase, I, I was still in it. And I remember I begged my mom to buy me uh, these two Mario Pikachus from uh, Japan that were exclusive, $50 each. I threw them in my binder. Fast forward to freshman year, I uh, got back into sports cards pretty heavy, into messy, into like sports cards instead of Pokemon cards. And I was like, oh man, these are like PSA 10, three, $4,000 each. So I got those graded. Somehow they both gemmed and they were sitting in my binder for three years and I sold those off. and. That's kind of what funded the actual sports card journey was getting all my Pokemon out and consolidating down into some messy cards. We have a father and son duo here who 
collect Brady and Messi so that there's some blue chip interest in, in this household. And I think uh, Griffin, maybe share the story of what you, I was asking about Messi before we hit record. And there is a little bit of a backstory and a connection that I think the audience might find interesting of for why you collect Messi. Yeah. So uh, my grandpa on my mom's side was actually born in Rosario, Argentina, which is the same city Messi was born in. And I mean, obviously that in itself is pretty cool. And just, I mean, since I was born, I played soccer. I had that just passion inside of me. I've always been a diehard Argentina fan, Messi fan. I remember crying at our old house back when uh, they lost the 2014 World Cup last minute. And then fast forward eight years later, me and my grandpa were in Miami and we saw the final against France and it's just, it goes full circle. So it's pretty, pretty unique to have a passion for Argentina and Messi and be able to turn it into something tangible like sports cards. I know we're going to be talking a lot about Brady, but I'd be interested to learn maybe in your Messi collection. And he's very topical with the 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 news of the move uh, to Miami. Uh, what are some of maybe your favorite Messi cards that are in your current collection and maybe why? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'll start off with, you want me to show you them right now? Yeah. You, just, yeah. Show them. You show them to me because I want to see them, but make sure you call out for the audience who's listening what they are. All right. So here's this first one. Uh, it's a Ruby out of 15 uh, flawless autograph mm. in his Barcelona kit. Wow. Uh, and for soccer, they only did uh, one year of flawless, so it makes them even more desirable. And Messi doesn't sign a lot of on-card autos, so just having that on-card auto of him was just super special. Um, the story of that card is, uh, I forgot which national it was, probably three years ago in Chicago, I picked up a Eminence Messi autograph, a jersey number 10 out of 10. and. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but those autos, a lot of people are very speculative about them. A lot of people think they're fake. So I got out of that one into some cash and another messy. And then I ended up trading it with uh, the Iron Sheik, a big trade cash deal for that messy down at Dallas. And it, it was just very crazy. I mean, I was texting him, texting my dad. We were all in three different places, like scrambling just to try and get this deal done before he left, we left. And I mean, the rest is history. On that when, when you, amazing card. I actually uh, was in college, got to see, uh, I was saw Barcelona play in Barcelona and seeing that Jersey just reminded me of just that moment of, uh, I can't even remember who they're playing. It was like the last team in the league and it's Ronaldinho Ronaldo was on the squad and they, they won like seven to nothing, but seeing that Jersey uh, on that card definitely just shot me back into the moment. Now I know Messi's market has there's soccer cards were like, no one was paying attention to it. It didn't seem like, and then all of a sudden everyone's were. So I'd imagine Messi being kind of the top of the mountain, his cards have shot up and probably some of them have are unattainable, but it sounds like you've kind of been collecting them for a while. So maybe like talk a little bit about that. Just like the, not necessarily like digging into the money component, but just like the challenges and hurdles of as more, Messy collectors have entered the mix. Uh, have you had to do anything different? Like talk a little bit about your mindset. Yeah. So uh, I remember the first 
Messi, or the first decent Messi I picked up was at the Miami show, uh, that summertime card set up two years ago, I believe. And uh, me and Rodman and my dad were there and we were all just talking about it. I remember we were sitting outside at night just talking about it because none of us really got into Messi at the time. And we were just like, I love Messi, Rodman loved Messi. And we were just like, why aren't we into this? So we all, we all just kind of went into Messi and I picked up a few slabs at that show. And I mean, the rest is kind of history on that, but uh, kind of dealing with the uh, now current age, it's definitely harder because people are just trying to flip Messi. And it's just hard when you have like a, he's not really someone you prospect, obviously. So you have cards that shouldn't be flipped, but people are trying to flip them for just marginal percentages. And it's hard to kind of find the true collectors that actually appreciate Messi for Messi and his cards. So definitely had to shift from that because back in the day, I mean, all the Messi's you saw were from true collectors because no one was really in the soccer market. And now everybody knows who Messi is. Everyone wants him. And it's just been a harder to find the true collectors now. Jason, as you, someone who's kind of supporting this and in the mix, probably talking deal negotiations and all that fun stuff. Like what have you picked up from the soccer market? Just is, is it been similar, different than football and Brady? Like talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's, uh, how, how would I describe it? There's similarities with Brady. Uh, but, um, the, the thing I will say is that, like in the shorter print stuff and the heart, the scarcity stuff, like that stuff doesn't move. So if it, if it becomes available, you, you gotta, you know, make sure you have the capital or at least the cards to trade and you gotta make sure you jump into it. I, I mean, like when Griffin was just showing that flawless messy, like that trade he did with the iron cheek, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate, but I, I think I know approximately how much dollar wise he moved and it you know he was working on that for like two three really two three weeks leading up to the dallas show and he was able to string it together so i mean those opportunities come up i mean you know you see it with your cards as well like something pops up that you don't see like it's like one or every two years and you got to consolidate or move stuff so um i mean it's the same thing with brady i mean the the thing i'll i'll say with brady is it's like yeah, he's retired. You know, he's probably not going to play again. Um, and I'm not going to collect any of his cards beyond his playing years. That's just kind of a, a personal preference that I have. And I'm going to be selective on what I can pick up during his playing years. And you just have to be patient. Like certain things pop up. There have been a few things that have popped up recently and you just kind of have to hammer it when it pops up. So um, you got you, you kind of have to do the same thing with Messi. Like a, a lot of this stuff doesn't see the light of day and when it does you get a pounce on it i do want to add on to that i forgot to mention uh, another big difference between messi and brady markets is messi's very international i mean soccer is an international sport so i mean it's growing in europe it's huge in asia big big market in asia so it's hard to try and get those big cards because a lot of them are in asia i remember when i was uh looking for this flawless right here the one i just showed I mean, I located about three or four, but they were all in like China, Malaysia, or the Philippines. I was talking to my dad about it. And he was like, yeah, don't, don't make a deal from there. It's too risky. But like, <laughs> it's just hard because a bunch of them are just hoarded probably in the houses there that will never come out. So it's hard to, it's definitely harder to find rare cards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that's like the unique thing about the messy market versus the Brady market. Like 
it's, it's, I mean, to Griffin's point, it's way more international and it's a lot more um, landmines for lack of a better words that you may have to step on. Um, but, you know, one of the other cards is going to show later, like we got, we got through indirectly through a guy in Asia at the most recent national. And, you know, you, it's one of those things that just became available because stuff over there just doesn't really surface for lack of a better word. It's like, it, it feels like it's locked up. Talk, talk a little bit. I want to know what the card is and talk a little bit about the indirectness and the deal making from an internet. I, Cause I know that this can go any other way. And honestly, we haven't talked a lot about it. So I'd love to hear like the mechanic, what the card is and the, the mechanics of that deal, how it worked out. Uh, yeah. So uh, me and my dad and Rodman, this was at a AC last year at the national uh, we just got done with the show. It was late at night. And uh, we found this soccer trade night uh, out at one of the hotel casinos. So we went to hit it up. It was really late. And uh, it was really busy when we got there. Tons of collectors. I met tons of people that I've been texting through uh, IG all the time. So it was great to meet up with them. I set up in a little like corner with all my cards. And uh, a few minutes later, uh, Empire and uh, Shay walk in. And uh, I mean, they have they had tons of messy, tons of soccer, football. I mean, all you can think about. And I went over there to see what they had, say hello. And uh, they had uh, this card. I knew they had it because I saw it at the show, but they brought it out to the uh, trade night. Uh, this is a flawless soul of the game to 25 uh, game worn piece of his cleat on card auto. I mean, it just it really shines the foil and the Barca kit is really just. It's special. And uh, I remember going over there and I, I brought my dad over and I was like, I mean, we need to get this card. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, the flawless messies are already hard enough to come by, but to have a, a flawless autograph and a patch is just, I mean, that's even more rare. There's only the out of 25 and then the one one and then you have the out of five, which is a patch auto. So, I mean, there's just very, very few uh messy flawless autos out there so whenever they come up you have to get them and i mean it, it was just a crazy deal honestly they were going back and forth on numbers and yeah, i think one what went on golden recently like yeah the out of fifth or the out of 10 went for i think it was like 60 or seven i mean it was something really high yeah so i mean right i you know i i'm not trying to talk money but i mean it's like like i was saying earlier it's one of those things where you have to be selective now so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to say it, you know? Totally. I love that. And it's, uh, I'm on the soccer side. I'm always just trying to learn. And it's, uh, I'm just very curious just on those deals and those cards. And I feel like just seeing those two flawless cards, I, you know, I see a lot of cards, but I haven't seen a lot, a lot of flawless, messy cards. So now I get and understand why those cards are so uh, desirable and just incredible cards. Jason, I was scrolling your page and I know you've got some, ridiculous Brady stuff, but I want to ask you a question about one card specifically that you have because I have the Peyton Manning of this card and it's one of my favorite cards and I've had it forever. But when I, I had to like do a double take on this card because I was like, is that really? And then I looked up at the pop report and I saw it was a pop one, 2003 tops, Chrome, Tom Brady, gold X fractor. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. Like, I, 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 first of all, I didn't even know that. I didn't even, 
I've seen so many Peytons graded and mine's a nine. I haven't, there's no tens. I mean, he's showing it right now and I, I can't even believe it. So tell me the story about this card. Oh, uh, the story is pretty simple. I was working for an investment company. Honestly, I was on a flight to Dallas from Dallas to New York. We were doing a big M&A deal in New York and it was on a PWCC auction and I saw it and I was like, I, I know I got to have this. I set like the limit super high and then I landed in LaGuardia and I won it. I mean, I don't know. I, with certain cards, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I've converted over time, but I'm, I'm, I'm more, um, I like the aesthetics of cards and like the shine and stuff. And I just saw that and I was like, I know I have to have it. So, but yeah, it's, uh, I feel like a dozen times two times three people have tried to pry that away. And I'm just like, yeah, nice. this is uh, something that'll stay, stay with us for a while. So. It's uh, it's it's one of the unique cards in the collection. Put it that way. So you, in your picture that I'm looking at right now, you've got that card, and your you've got it paired with. I said that I think just if you're thinking about like the ultra modern period of time, um, the 2012 uh, Brady Gold, like to me is if 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 I'm saying most important cards, like that card comes right to my top of my head. So you've got these two cards. Paired together, I think any Brady. I'm a football card so, fan and collect. Yeah, that card. That's inc- so. T- talk to me a little bit about that card. Uh, honestly, it was kind of like when I was when I was talking about it earlier. Uh, when I got back into the collecting arena, um, you know, focused heavily on Brady. Honestly, I, I focused a lot on who was my who was on my fantasy football team. But then I I, I kind of a lot of I'd say seventy percent of the focus separately as well was on Brady. And uh, I, I just remember seeing the stuff that was happening to LeBron in 2012 Prism, like his mm-hmm. silvers and his gold were going nuts, but then nothing was carrying over to like Brady. I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. And I, I don't know. I remember it was at the national before I owned the 2012, it was at the national pre-COVID. I think it was in 2018, 2019 in Chicago and to captain Kevin like he showed me a PSA 10 of the base. I was like, I need, I, I, I saw it and I was like, man, that, that's an awesome looking set. And I was like, I just went all in and started doing a bunch of research. And, you know, initially, initially your print run. Uh, I mean, look, I used to like uh, collect common comics when I was growing up. I don't know if you did, but um, you know, like a, a lot of stuff is said about like the first year print runs. And I saw what was happening with LeBron. I was like, why isn't this carrying over to football? It doesn't make any sense. And I think I, over time, I picked up like 40 of the PSA 10s of the base, obviously sold those off over time. But then I was like, I, I then started to delve into, I picked up the, the red die cuts, the greens, the silvers. And I, I was searching for the gold for like nine months and I finally found it. Like that was like, that was like kind of one of those rhino hunts that <laughs> eventually I found it. And I mean, I don't know, you may you may find this funny, but like the guy also had a BGS nine and I didn't pick it up. I just said, I, back then I, I was, I was kind of particular about my grades and I'm like, yeah, I'm passing on it. Um, but it was just kind of one of those iconic hard sets you had to have. And uh, I went all in on trying to find it and kind of the rest is history. So, so I can obviously tell that you're through looking at your collection. You're a fan of, prism and the continuity between just like the golds the greens over the years talk to me a little bit about just like that process you go through and the building and the connecting and 
just how you bring that to life. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's uh, kind of more of a tradi- traditionalist at, at heart, I guess you could call it. Uh, I mean, look, like the current year of prison run, like, I don't know how many parallels there are, like 60, 70, 80 parallels, but like, I, I stick to the basics. So, you know, the golds, the silvers, and the greens. I mean, if you look at what happened in 2012, the parallels were outside, you know, outside of the one-on-one and the base, you had golds out of 10. The finite, which has never been pulled. Uh, you had the red die cut, which was that personal year. You had the green, which was the retail. And then uh, you had the silver. And well, yeah, and the pylon, um, which I don't think that one's ever surfaced either for Brady. Uh, but I just kind of built it starting from 2012 and moved forward. I mean, I'm sure you can see on my page, like the, the gold prism run is done, including in, well, I said the gold, it's the gold slash gold vinyl it's been hard like over time because some of the golds the true golds have gotten out of hand um so i'm just trying to piece together between gold gold vinyl i mean maybe at some point in time do a true gold run and a true vinyl run i don't know we'll we'll, we'll see how it plays out but and then i kind of pivoted to like the the silvers uh and the greens just because that's that's what set in and that's what carried forward so um i think the green all of it uh, I think it should be done by the end of this week, next week. Uh, and then the prism, I mean, I, I've got the throwback. I, I think I can probably pick up PSA 10 over the next month or two. So I'm not too worried about that one. But I mean, I, I've seen on your page, like you have the red die cuts as well. I mean, I, in my opinion, I brought a couple of them here, but like, you know, these are the, and I've got another one at PSA. Like, I don't know. Those are, I think over time, like, I think the print runs like, 150 200 maybe like i think those are going to outpace the silver and the greens like that's what people need to be looking at in my opinion and i'm not just saying that because i have to but like or uh, sorry three but like i, I just they're scarce you're you're, you're never going to cr- come across them so i had i had been looking for uh, a manning for a while and i knew the captain had one and one hit eBay and it was, this was last year at this time. And literally he was coming to Indy and I was going to buy it to, from him at the Midwest sponsor last year. And one just out of nowhere, just went up for auction. And I remember he got so pissed at me because I, I, I think, and he thought as well, like I got a steal for that card. And it, once I got the card and I'm not a big die cut fan, but, uh, I looked at the card and studied all the traits and it was the same thing. It's like, all right, well, maybe I should start picking and getting other players. Um, Cause no one's talking about it. And it's like when no one's talking about certain cards, that's usually when probably the best time to buy is. And I don't think anyone's going to not be talking about Brady, but I'm curious on your end, like it's, it's we're entering the first uh, off season without Tom Brady actually going to be playing this year, which is kind of even weird to say, does does the fact that Brady's not playing does that change your collecting at all? Like, are there different things or opportunities you think you'll be able to take advantage of, or is it is it kind of going to be par for the course? Uh, well, I mean, I think like I mentioned before, I'm not going to do Brady post his playing era. So I think what that does it's twofold. I mean, obviously, people like to see who's playing current, right? So you got your Justin Fields, you got your um, Trevor Lawrence. Um, Sorry, I, I'm forgetting. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, yeah. So people want to invest in in the current players. So I mean, they're going to rotate out of the people who've won 
for lack of better words, and put their money in those, the, the speculative buys, which like, I don't fault him for that. I mean, look, like Patty Mahomes, like, what is he, three Super Bowls now? Um, so, so maybe they'll turn a trick pony with one of those guys potentially, but I mean, honestly, like Brady's prices are going to go down. They've been going down. Like, I mean, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. And so what that means is I, I feel like, like I said before, you know, if certain, certain cards come up that makes sense monetary wise, I mean, I'm going to pounce on them. So do you have like a uh, car? You probably have cards that you desire and are on your list. Do you just have like kind of mental notes of like, if this card hits this threshold, then that's like buying season. Cause that's one of the things that I'm really curious of. And during this time, especially when prices are going down, like what are those uh, signals or indicators from collectors on like, when might be the right time to buy certain cards? Like how, how are you looking into it? Honestly, I don't really look like from a card perspective and I'm in investments. Like I don't look at, on the card side of things, though, I don't look at those signals. I look at more scarcity and rarity. So if something that hasn't seen the light of day in a few years comes up and if it's reasonably graded or looks reasonably presentable, raw, I mean, you're... <laughs> Easy as that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's kind of your gut takes over and uh, you kind of run with it from there. I'm a gut guy, too, for the most part. But it feels like just the way the hobby is organized and the way like it's been promoted over the last several years, it's... It's not been that. Uh, do you think we're, we're, we're going to be returning to that where people feel more comfortable with walking up to a showcase and seeing a card that like makes their knees weak and just making an offer on it without getting out their phone and looking at a bunch of comps? Like, do you do you think we're moving towards that direction or is do you think it's still we're, we're stuck in this moment where we're going to comp each other over and over again and beat each other over the head when we're trying to make a deal? Uh, I mean, Look, the copying is always going to happen, especially with technology. Like it's it's inevitable. Honestly, like my gut tells me, especially at this national, it's it's probably going to be, and, and I'll caveat it in, in in the sense of a lot of people save up for nationals, so I'll caveat it from that perspective. But I mean, you got PWCC recalling loans, you got other people like closing shop. I mean, it's it's going to be a buyer's market. So if you have the capital, and something comes available. Kind of feel a little bad for the dealers at National, to be honest with you. Uh, but I don't know. They they wrote it through the up, so they might have to write it through the downs. And unfortunately, like I feel like it, this is just a natural part of the market. Like you gotta you gotta flush out the non-holders and the, the true holders that stay, and those true holders that stay will reap the benefits when it swings back up. I I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, um, I'd love to see kind of you know, kind of the flippers and all that kind of stuff. You're not ever going to like take them out of the hobby uh, for good, but just to at least like moderate a little because it's a hobby. I mean, <laughs> you have to have the true collectors be a part of the hobby. So I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you can see some of these IG guys now that are posting big buys and I'm not saying the bottom's kicked in, but I don't know. Cardboard Chronicles, he's picking up a lot of LeBron golds. <laughs> And so, you know, if the smart money's moving that way, you can tell like the bottom's kind of nearing and you can tell like the weak hands are folding. That That's just my honest take on it. And I, I know, not to mention other guys by name, but I know some guys on the Brady side, they've been picking up some big Brady's as well. And, um, you know, you, you have to let that stuff flush out. Unfortunately, that's, that's just how these markets work. So um, I'm a big believer, like long-term and especially with Griffin here. I mean, it's just... Uh, 
I'd like to get rid of kind of the non-participants for lack of better words and, you know, keep it to the true participants. I, and I want to ask you both about the national cause I wasn't planning on it, but I was, I was on a walk during lunch today and I, and I had a podcast on it and I just had to like stop the podcast. Cause I just started to think about the national and the preparation for the national. And I was thinking about like getting ready financially for it. And um, for a lot of these reasons that you just talked about, and I, in my head, I'm going through my cards and what cards I might be on the table to get rid of before the national in order to have capital at the national. You two both have been to a lot of nationals. It sounds like maybe share a little perspective about like your prep going into maybe this year or just the nationals in general. Like how do you make sure that you are ready to go? Like what's your strategy? So if that Brady or if that Messi shows up in the showcase, you're ready to acquire it if you're able to. Uh, For me, first, I just figure out what cards I want. And uh, I've been talking to a bunch of, guys who know a lot more about messy cards than me figuring out what they're going after figuring out what I like and what I want to go after and I mean I've kind of narrowed down my list to a few cards that you know if I see them I I know I want to get them and then the thing about national is some cards will be there on Sunday and other cards will be gone by the first day so you just kind of have to be smart about whether you're willing to wait and hope the price goes down by Sunday or if you just have to pounce on it because some of these cards I mean you only see them once and they're gone after that. And then for me, I mean, I've just been, I got pretty big into star Wars, uh, the sketch cards, all that stuff. I mean, I love star Wars. I have tons of star Wars Legos in my room. And uh, I recently just sold off a bunch of the sketch cards just cause I mean, I didn't want to, but I mean, I like messy, so that's my guy. So I had to consolidate and I'm still consolidating a few smaller cards just so I have some money saved up to, get the cards that I want to hold for the long-term going into national as much as it's hard to part ways with some of the cards that you love you've had for a while. I mean, you just have to ask yourself if you really do want this card that you have to sell some of the other cards that you didn't want to, if you want to fund the bigger cards. So I think you just have to start figuring out what cards you're willing to part ways with and just figure out which cards you want. Cause a lot of people just go to national without even, knowing what they want. I mean, obviously you'll see tons of cards, but if you don't have a game plan, I mean, I remember our first time we like walked in there, we didn't even realize how big the place was. And we were walking zigzag up left. Like just, it was, you you need a game plan for sure. So however you want to do that's up to you, but you got to definitely start now. Yeah. And and just to piggyback on, piggyback on what Griffin was saying, I think with national, like you have to look at the collection. Um, I, I mean, look like, I mean, Brett, you mentioned it earlier, car prices have come down, but like, it's still, you know, if you want to, you know, get certain cards, it's still going to be kind of expensive. So my view and what I did in the last national is you have to look at what you have in your collection and make those hard decisions and then figure out, okay, I need to bring these guys with me to national because if something becomes available, I'll be willing to part with it. And, and what, what, and like an example with that is, is like, was, was this one, like, you know, I picked this up in a trade with uh, MC Sports Cards at the last national, and there were a lot of cards that like call out the card, Jason. Uh, it's the uh, 2000 Leaf certified four star mirror gold out of 35 PSA eight. So you know, you may in lower grade, but I mean, look, I just missed out on a Manning that card in a Manning and a PSA eight. I'm pissed about it. Somebody in my Manning chat got it. He knows who he is. Yeah. 
But I mean, like those cards never surface. And and the thing what Griffin was saying is it's like, you know, there's cards that like you look at in your collection and you're like, uh, I really don't want to move that. But then you're like, I may need to move it for the right opportunity. And the thing with national is, is like, that's probably the, I mean, look, like I said, got back into this like five years ago, give or take. And I will say the national is one time when a lot of those cards surface. And so you got to be at least willing to have on hand what you could potentially part with, you know, if you're, if you're going to do your trade or trade in cash, you know, depending on, uh, on where you're situated. So that's a difficult decision. And, you know, I've consolidated my collection uh, over the past couple of years and I'm probably gonna have to do another round heading up to national, but I'm only going to do it if it makes sense. So. So when you talk about, I think that's a decision point, right? It's, do I get rid of cards, you know, send them to a consigner, sell them on IG to get capital before the national, but you suggested like, I'm going to bring these cards to the national. And if a card pops up, then I'm going to get rid of these. If you're going to get rid of cards at the national, is it because you have relationships with dealers there that you know will take on those cards if you need to, or is it a different approach? I mean, honestly, like I mentioned, MC Sports Cards, the the, the guy that I picked up the uh, the 2000 Leaf certified with, I, and he and I have done a bunch of deals in the past. But I'll be quite frank, like some of the cards he pulled out of national, like I, I met him at in, at Dallas, and he doesn't bring those cards. So, like a lot of these dealers, they'll bring out certain cards for national. Um, and, and Mike is like one of the best guys to deal with in the hobby. So, like it was just kind of like I, it was kind of one of those things, like. We saw, I saw the card, like Griffin, I and another buddy, we were there, uh, uh, Live Dr. Evil Sports Cards. Uh, I was like, I got to have this. And, you know, I just busted out the cards and Mike and I were eventually able to make a deal. But, uh, you know, he wouldn't have brought that card to Nash or to Dallas, put it that way. So it was, it's one of those, uh, Nationals, a, a unique experience, put it that way. Like it's, it's when, when all um, the costumes come out, for lack of a better word. So, um, you know, I know some people, it'll be the first time national, it'll be overwhelming. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, what's the best way to describe it? Griffin was saying, I mean, we're zigzagging. So it's a lot of stimulus, like a lot of cards, you're, you're scanning everything. You don't know what you're looking at in terms of like, everything's everywhere. Um, but after doing a few under our belt, um, you just have to be prepared. And like, it's, it's one of those things, like, unfortunately, we don't want to break out sort of the cards from the stash or the safe, but like, Sometimes, I mean, the old adage, you have to trade a grail to get a grail or a tra- what is it? Trade a whale to get a whale. So like, you know, sometimes you have to bring out those cards for lack of a better words. Totally. I want to, one question I was just going to ask about Brady, but I'd actually like both of uh, maybe Griffin Messi from your perspective and Jason Brady for yours. Like, I think with those two players, they're always going to have this audience of people that might not collect them, but in the back of their head have always been like, there is a point in my collecting journey where I got to have a Messi or I got to have a Brady. And then that might go down a rabbit hole. And then all of a sudden they acquire a few pieces and all of a sudden become a Messi or Brady collector, just because, you know, they're goats and why wouldn't, why wouldn't I have them? It seems safe. Uh, Maybe we start with you, Griffin, like what sort of advice would you have just based on everything you've learned about to anyone who's interested in getting into Messi collecting? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I started like, not really early, but I mean, before the spike. So, I mean, I got in when it was pretty cheap, but I mean, I bought a ton of base, just stuff that wasn't low number, just things that you could always find. And I mean, I held them for a while and you kind of realize that like, 
you can buy those whenever. So obviously the prices of those cards went down and I, I just had to, some of them I had to sell at a loss and just recoup and take what I could get from it. So I think first is just stay away from the base as much as possible and not just any base. Some are good, but like stay away from the ones with thousands and pop and just hundreds and pop, like just go after the unique cards for sure. Also, I would say pick the right set, especially for Messi. He has sets from all these different companies, international, uh, United States companies, just tons of different. You have to really just do your research first. Definitely do your research before you just dig in and buy a card and make sure it's a card that you really feel comfortable with holding, even when the market's down and just pick that set that you see that's unique, that is rare. And you just have to be particular with what you buy. And just take your time. There's no rush on cards. I love that. That no, there is no rush on cards, and that's the hardest part. Um, Jason, uh, maybe you and Brady. Anyone hovering over Brady, wanting to dig in, maybe thinking now that he's not playing is a good time. What kind of advice do you have? Um, if I was, if I was a first time Brady buyer or like you know a newbie to the Brady buyer stuff, um, man, I I don't know. I'd start with his rookies. To be honest with you, like certain of his rookies. Um, not the contenders. Like, I don't know. I, I've always dabbled in the stuff that like people like the shorter, like I always look for the shorter print high grade stuff. So anything that's numbered out of 200, 250, 350, et cetera. And then kind of, and then if something comes up, that's like, you know, kind of more higher print run, but super high grade, then I'll focus on that. But um, I don't know. I, I'd focus on that kind of stuff. And then I think the sweet spot for Brady, in my opinion, like, you know, 2000 was his rookie year. 2001 was an abyss. I think 2002 through 2007, if you can find something to Griffin's point, that is more kind of the kind of more standard of the run set that's numbered and high grade, like whether it be finest or tops chrome, I would, or, or Bowman chrome, I'd focus on those. And I don't know, everyone, everyone always gravitates to tops chrome, but I'm more of a finest guy. And so I probably gear towards finest in those years, in my opinion. It's just, I don't know. What's your the, favorite, the, fine, what's your favorite finest year? 06. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you told me to bring another card. So I'll yeah. show it's that one. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, share with the audience what you're holding up. Uh, it's the 06 finest Brady super, super refractor. How do you even find something like that? Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I think that was like another travel story. I, I think I was like headed off to Brazil and I, I, I sent one of those bids on PWCC and then landed in Brazil and won it. So <laughs> God, I, I'm like, you saw it and I love the look of it. So the super rare stuff in which I'm saying this now, and I just sold my brother, uh, the white border, one of one uh, X fracture Reggie Wayne card, but the, the rare stuff, in that set, you never see it. And I feel like when it pops up, you just got to go because it is the best, finest set for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I think out of all the years, like, you know, 2004 collecting, I, I would say 06 finest is up there, 05 finest, and then 2012 prism, and then mm -hmm. 2013 select. Like, those are kind of, you know, just, just in terms of what I've seen. And like, look, others have seen more than me, but like, those are, those are kind of what I focus on um, and what I like. So 
this uh, we've covered we've covered a lot of ground i'm like i can't believe some of these cards i'm seeing is there is there any other brady bangers that you want to talk about before we get out of here the stuff that you have is the stuff that i like so i'm enjoying this um no i mean the only thing i will say is i think one of the things that you told me to say is like what is what is kind of more the underrated yeah print runs of brady and I don't know. Like, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm big into the aesthetics. I love the way the cards kind of hit when you look at them, especially like, like I remember at the Dallas show and one of these cards I picked up at the Dallas show and the other one I picked up at the national, but like, I, I remember looking at the cases in each time and I was just like, I looked and I'm like, wow, that card is really shiny. Um, and, and it's not everyone's topical run. Like you may be like, that's the Walmart version of cards, but like, I love Bowman's best, like paper print run. Uh, but I mean, the shine on these, like I'll show a couple of them. Um, that's the O2, uh, O2 Bowman's best, PSA 10, just the base. O3 Bowman's best, PSA 9. And then O3 Bowman's best blue. And then the last one, this was this is the most recent one, the O4 Bowman's best, the green out of 499 i picked up it at the net or i'm sorry at dallas and like i mean you can kind of see that like the, the shine is just i don't know like you you see a bunch of cards in the case and and not that it, like i have around brady but like i just saw that that the shine amongst like a bunch of other players and i'm just like man like they don't make cards like they used to and like i don't know i think it's one of those underrated just because it was like kind of more your third or fourth tier product line back then uh but i mean in hand like it's it, i don't know i like the way it looks <laughs> It's, so. it's sometimes it's as simple as that if uh it's kind of the if you pick it up or see it in a showcase and it makes you feel like a kid when you see it those are typically the best cards yep griffin had one more party yeah to let's see it okay so uh this is a, a messy gold uh optic to 10 and this is the uh 2018 uh we picked this well we made the deal at a dallas card show before last national, uh, but the guy wanted all cash, no PayPal or anything. So we went to the bank and the bank couldn't pull out the money in time. So we were like, can you just save it for us? We'll be at national. So we got it at national. And I mean, the rest is history on that card. And I mean, uh, when you look at Messi, uh, he has a lot more cards in his Argentina kit than he does in his Barcelona kit. So that's another strategy I kind of looked at was try and pick up the, I have the list. I don't remember off the top of my hand of how many uh, gold out of 10 true gold Barcelona kits there are, but it's very few. So I just, I wanted to have one of those just because they're hard to come by. I mean, it's a very unique card and Messi at Barcelona, it's just iconic. And uh, I did want to circle back because I didn't answer your question completely on uh, what sets I'd recommend for new Messi collectors. I have, for me, I'd say the 2014 Prism, because that's first year Prism for uh, soccer. I mean, that's a, a great set. That's my personal like favorite modern set behind uh, 2017 Topps Chrome. That's uh, a lot of people say that's going to be the PMG of soccer. They just look super clean. It's just the player and then the color. It's a really classy card. And then an underrated one. It's not so underrated now, but it was the 2017 uh, field level from Select the horizontal cards those were really really cool 
then obviously flawless. But I mean, those are just the sets that I'd say to try and focus on. If you're just getting into soccer, I mean, you really can't go wrong with low numbered parallels from either of those sets. This, uh, I feel like I was just schooled in Messi and Brady and saw some of the most incredible cards that I've seen probably helps that there's two of you and with two different goats. First two time interview you've, you've had, or uh, th- there's been double. Uh, this is the first, I think father and son duo. Definitely. At the, so you, you were breaking, we're, we're breaking all sorts of uh, milestones here on the stacking slabs podcast. And you, I'm assuming you two will be in, at the national in Chicago, right? Yeah, we'll be there. I think we get there Thursday morning and leave Saturday evening. So yeah, we'll be there. Same sort of timeline. So we'll have to link up for sure. This was a ton of fun. Uh, Thanks so much for taking some time and definitely go check out Squiddy Collectibles and Sportfish Card Collector on the IG. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. We'll have to do this again. Thanks, Brett. We'll talk to you. Just a ton of fun with that one. I can't even tell you how amazed I was by the collections, what I saw, just two really good dudes. Can't wait to meet up with them at the National. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More stacking slabs on the other side. 